UEG Talks, Gastroenterology to Go. Welcome to our GI podcast. Listen for fresh insights and perspectives in science, education, and professional development. Hello, everyone. My name is Agle, and I'm the host of UEG Talks, educational, hopefully fun dive into GI world and beyond. We are happy to have you with us for the first ever premiere episode of UEG Talks. So today we're talking about the origins of the game-changing waterfall trial, proving that aggressive hydration is detrimental in the treatment of acute pancreatitis. For this, of course, we're going to Alicante, Spain, and it is my utmost pleasure to introduce today's guest, Kaida Star in Pancreatology, the mastermind of the waterfall trial, Dr. Enrique Damadaria. Welcome to the UG Talks, Enrique. Hi, Agle. Thanks you and the UG for such an opportunity. Uh, we're very glad to have you with us today and uh, know more about how you came up with the idea. So, as a resident, I do remember reading that aggressive fluid therapy is uh, paramount importance in the 48 hours from the admission. And it was not very rare that I would prescribe like five, six liters of uh, saline to my admitted patients, average men with no comorbidities. And I never questioned it. It seemed so logical. Increased hematocrit, um, perfusion. So I thought it should work. How did you come up with the idea to question this paradigm? Well, you know, it's a long story. In 2000, I started my residency in gastroenterology. And a year later, I started doing a specialty shift and treating real patients with acute pancreatitis. I was 26 years old and I was very scared to treat patients because I did not have much knowledge of my specialty. I reviewed the treatment of patients with acute pancreatitis and in the books and reviews that I handled, the use of aggressive fluid therapy was recommended. It was stated that this improved the evolution of acute pancreatitis. The problem is that this aggressive fluid therapy seemed to me something very unspecific, very ethereal. When it came down to it, I did not know how much fluid to use or what type of fluid, how much is aggressive, how many liters, what type of fluid. I had a paper notebook like most residents where I wrote down summaries of how to treat patients and I didn't know what to put in my notebook. I started asking pancreatitis experts at meetings how much fluid to give and their answers were really confusing. Gradually, I began to understand that no one had any idea at all how much fluid to give patients and that the subject was not clear at all. Here, I became interested in fluid therapy in acute pancreatitis and I realized that when you look in a book on a review and it tells you big things, it is because nobody has any idea about the subject that there are not enough studies. Okay, so basically, waterfall trial was conceptualized due to your attention to details and having the obsession to put something in your notebook. No, because I was scared <laughs> of treating real patients. You know, the patient looked at me, I looked to the patient, I had to give those patients fluids and I didn't know what to put. So I was scared. I, I didn't know if I was doing it right or wrong. So that made me a clinical research question. I didn't know them, but it was a real clinical research question. 
Okay, so your story begins 20 years before. How did you come up with this, from this simple question, a scared one, as you admit, it was uh, driven by the fear of failure of not doing adequate work for your patients to a randomized control multicenter trial? Well, again, it's a long story, but, you know, my first email in which I proposed to my collaborators to do the waterfall study is from January 2019. We are talking so of, as you said, a journey of almost two decades. That's how long it has taken me to learn research methodology, to learn the practical aspects of clinical research, and to develop enough leadership to answer the question from that 26-year-old guy. It has been a wonderful journey, I must say, a kind of adventure for me, where with each study, I learn a little more. Basically, to be a good clinical researcher, you need three steps. First, you have to do a mental reboot. When I started as a resident and the first few years after finishing residency, I had a lot of personal insecurities about my personal worth, my um, professional worth. I saw myself as a person who was not smart enough to do clinical research. I suffer from imposter syndrome and all of this held back my ability to grow. I, I must be sincere. And I want to share this with the listeners from the OEG podcast. It took me years to understand that to be a good professional, the first thing to do is to understand that you start from scratch, both in your medical knowledge to treat patients and to do clinical research, or any other professional activity. You learn little by little, and if you work well and with an open mind and without interference from negative thoughts, you can really get to where you want. It does not depend that your center is big, or you are in the States, or you are in Germany. You can be whenever you are, but if you clear your mind and you proceed in a step-by-step basis, you will go wherever you want. To the young people who are listening to me and who feel insecure, know that everything is learned with practice and hard work, and this is applicable to anyone. Expel our negative thoughts and focus on being good professionals and good researchers, little by little, step by step. Use mass, do a mental reboot, get rid of insecurities and anxiety about proving yourself to others that you are competent. You just have to go little by little in the career of medicine and research and everything else. You must focus on learning and being proactive, not on quick wins. The second is that with each study you do, you must advance a little farther, a little farther, I published my first prospective observational study in fluid therapy at a single center, at my center in 2011. In 2014, I published a retrospective study in fluid therapy with data from my hospital and a Boston center, the, uh, the Women's and Brigands Hospital with my friend, because in 2017, I published my first retrospective study with data from four international centers. 2017, my first single center randomized control trial in fluid therapy, just 40 patients. It was so simple, but it was hard for me. But I learned how to do it. We compared lactated ringer solution with normal saline. 2019, I published our first scale multicenter national prospective 
observational study in Spain at a national level. 2021, my first large-scale international observational study. There were 15 countries. All these studies prepared me for waterfall, taught me how to do a study and how to lead other, other centers. Finally, an important key is that all our studies are intended to be relevant to clinical practice. We have to help patients. This is very important if you get it. It gives meaning to a whole research career and secondarily opens you the possibility to publish in the best journals. If you are interested in these three aspects of research career, I publish a post on my newsletter, which is called the Madaria versus Placebo, and it's called the keys to a brilliant career in clinical research. And I developed these ideas. Thank you so, so much, Enrique, for sharing your long and what seems like enormous journey from very small question to a multicenter trial. And step by step and little by little, but always advancing or trying to. Also, it's very kind of you to share your own trepidations around your own work. I think a lot of starting young GIs or any other specialist uh, think that they are not good enough. They cannot do this. It's only for the superstars publishing a New England no. journal. Step by step. Step by step. <laughs> 20 years for a new It's somewhat <laughs> encouraging and somewhat discouraging. 20 years is a long time. Well, but do you need time to learn? You need time to have experience. And for getting a New England Journal of Medicine paper, you need leadership. You have to lead other centers and work with them well and be confident and, and have experience. A quick win is not possible, I think. You need to learn. Okay, you just have to be patient then. Yeah, but you have to enjoy it. You don't have to have a New England. It was my aim to have a study that was good enough to be in the New England Journal, but I didn't mind if I didn't get it. Because that was just a dream. It was to walk, to, to experience clinical research. That's the nice thing. Why New England Journal of Medicine? Why it's so particular? Well, it was a romantic aim to publish there. It's a you know, it's a journal that has more than 100 years that is like, yeah, you know, to publish there is like an, a lifelong aim. And I like to have a direction to learn and to do things. And it was just my firehouse, you know, to go there. But I didn't mind. I'm sincere. I, did, I was not sure if I could get it. I suppose I would not get it at all. But it was just like a lighthouse, you know, to know where to go. To design studies that were suitable for that journal was just an, a di direction. I finally got it with my team and it was incredible. But if I didn't have achieved to publish there, it's nothing. It's, it's just to have aims and to have things that excite you. But, but the way the, to do things in, in this journey is the nice thing. So, like in the Hollywood movies, it's about the journey, not about the destination. That's true. If you do not enjoy it, you will be frustrated if you are not publishing there. It's not to publish there. It's a, a dream and, and a direction, but not the final aim. And also kind of go big or go home. <laughs> it's, it wasn't an ambitious goal. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, there are two kinds of ambition. The good one, 
that is a good ambition makes you proactive, makes you to be active, to do things. This is good ambition. Bad ambition is to get something by getting it from others or making bad things to others to get something. That's bad ambition. We have to be ambitious, but good ambition. So we're getting back to your introduction, the kindest star in pancreatology. <laughs> so be good, dream big, <laughs> and keep moving. Yeah, yeah, and work with others. And you have to, your achievements are not only from you and from many people. If you grow with others, that's good ambition because you are making good for more people and you are growing together. That's the nice thing about that. If you are trying to get something by your own, you will not get it. Yeah, it's That's kind of obvious. Yes. Medicine is a team sport. Yeah. You cannot do anything alone. Even take care of one patient with acute pancreatitis. It's nicer, you know. <laughs> you enjoy the, the walk, this journey more if you work with others. Sure. So having accomplished this amazing, groundbreaking, paradigm-shifting trial, you've already talked about leadership and learning it through your journey about working with others. What do you think are other key components to creating this kind of research? For me, the following components are extremely important. You must have a solid design form for your study from two points of view. First, knowing well the disease you are going to investigate. And the other one is the statistical aspects. For both, you must find colleagues with superpowers that complement your superpowers with knowledge that will allow you to make the perfect protocol. Early, perfect protocol. That's super important. You must follow current guidelines to design the study, such as the spirit guidelines. These are the guidelines I use to build our next study. We will talk about it later. This will help you to get it right. The next step is to make a database that has a good balance between being complete but not unmanageable. You know, the more difficult it is, for investigators to enter data, the less they will be engaged in recruiting patients. They will recruit one patient, one patient, they will see that that's impossible and they will stop recruiting more. The third is to develop your leadership skills in multicenter studies. And for this, it is very important to share the possible success of your trials with your collaborators. You have to be generous in the authorship of the article. Your collaborators should be happy. If they are happy, you are happy and the project is going well. If you want the study to be finished, they have to be committed and to be committed in something that will, they are in researcher-driven studies. They are not getting money. They are not getting in many times resources. They are looking for changing the, the, you know, the paradigm in treating diseases. They are chasing a publication. You have to treat them well. Individual personalities in research are bad. You must show your collaborators that this is a collaborative study, that it is something that we do, we do all together. At the end of the day, it is the truth. You have to keep your collaborators motivated throughout the study and that the pace of recruitment is good 
and that is sometimes difficult. It's not easy. I don't want to, <laughs> to say that it's easy. Everything is complex for this. I needed a couple of decades to, to get it, but uh, you have to, to have also a good study coordination team or study coordinator that enjoys their work and is enthusiastic about it. And there is, uh, he or she is there to solve any problems that arise during the recruitment process. Um, and finally, it's very good to have a good team of very competent people with a lot of knowledge in the decision studying and in statistics to write the first draft of the article, which is important also. So you're always coming back to the kindness, being a good sport in a team, having the idea and then being a team player. Otherwise, there will be no results. Because in researcher-driven clinical research, researcher driven you know, that, that you, the industry is not there there is no money for people people you need to they have to be part of the team and they have to feel part of the team and you know this is very important and also i enjoy it more when i am with friends doing research that's wonderful i love it <laughs> we can see that clearly i have Somewhat of a provocation, because you mentioned the perfect protocol, highly controlled, selective, randomized trials, where we control for everything that we can. So if we have results for, from such trials, can we really extrapolate the results to everyday life where nothing is ever controlled? Well, this is... Um... This is a good question. Um, well, you know, in clinical research, I think the first step is to do a randomized controlled trial. This is not everyday medicine, but for specific questions is the best way to address it. Once you have evidence from randomized controlled trials, other more sophisticated and different real life, real clinical practice, studies may undergo and may, you know, show a more um, real-life experience about it. But I think the first step is to do a randomized control trial in very special conditions because it's the best way to have a simple answer for a simple question in, in medicine. So I guess another principle of yours is also keeping it simple from databases to trial designs to... Yes, because if this relies, do you know, we are talking about multi-center trials. This have to be simple. The clinical questions have to be simple. The database must be as simple as possible because, you know, the waterfall trial, we had more than 500 variables which is not simple. This was not simple, but was as simple as we could, <laughs> you know. 500? More than. In fact, it were, they were like 572 or things like that. I'm speechless. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, let's move on. 572. Controlling for everything? Okay. <laughs> I'm moving on then. When all is said and done, everything is controlled for and uh, your major research is published. Do you think the work of researcher is done or does the dissemination of the knowledge now also is included in the work description? 
Where do you think that the social media fall in this regard? That's a very good and interesting question because when I publish it, when we publish it, my impression was that we demonstrated that aggressive fluid resuscitation was bad and moderate was good. So just like two weeks ago, up to date, this always updated online book about medicine asked a question in, in his in its Twitter account. Uh, do you think aggressive fluid resuscitation is good for patients with acute pancreatitis? More than half of the answers were, of course, aggressive fluid resuscitation is good. Okay? So I was puzzled and I answered, what are you saying? <laughs> but well, you know, it's not enough to publish. It's good for to, to talk about your work in the networks, in the social networks, in, you know, in medical meetings, because unfortunately, most uh, attending physicians, they do not have compliance with guidelines and they are not updated. And, and it's good to publish in a very good journal, but you have to keep working to, to show people how to address the diseases in a evidence-based way, you know. Yeah, and think that also, so, uh, I mean, it was incredible trial, but also it was the it trial of the last year. You know, everybody was talking, this was the cool girl or boy on the block. And now you're recruiting for another trial and having great success, as I hear. Yes, yes, it has been incredible. We are, we are working on our next trial. The original name was Galadriel. But this has a copyright. Tolkien did a copyright on Galadriel, a name. So we have changed to Waterland. And we are comparing, we are going to compare lactated ringer versus normal saline in acute pancreatitis. And there are more than 130 centers from all over the world that want to be part of this trial. So we are super excited for me. This experience of a real international study is incredible. You know, the waterfall trial had only three centers from other uh, countries than Spain, but this, we have a lot of centers from all the world. So for me, this is one step more. So I'm super excited to, to see what happens. In Lithuania, there is a saying that uh, the hunger becomes bigger as you eat. So I guess uh, now you will have to control for more than 572. I think this is more simple. I think this is a simpler study than it, it was very difficult to design the waterfall trial because there were two ways of giving fluids, aggressive and moderate, and you had to see the patient at different checkpoints and decide what to do. It was quite difficult, but this is a simpler study. Lactated versus Ringer, the same protocol, but you change fluid. I think with 400 uh, variables, it's okay for this. (laughs) (laughs) What does your gut say? Which will win? Lactate? I think Lactated ringer may be better, but I'm not sure. It may not be. You know, I did a, a single center randomized trial. We, we saw that lactated ringer will have an anti-inflammatory effect on acute pancreatitis, 
but I'm not completely sure about the results of this study. But I think that it will be a, a definitive answer because we are planning to include more than 700 patients. And, you know, if with 700 patients is not better, well, the, you know, the number of patients you need to treat to improve them is, is more than 700. So maybe it's not worth enough. Okay, looking forward for the results of this epic new trial. Um, and as your journey was 20 years, but we cannot, as as nice as it is to talk to you, we have to come to an end. It can't take 20 years. Uh, so to finish, could you please give your best advice that you were ever given or 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 you fought off to the GI younglings, as you call us, uh, who are trying to make it in the research world. Okay, some advice is free yourself from your insecurities and your ambition for a quick win. This is a fascinating journey that unfolds step by step over the years. Enjoy it. Learn research methodology. Any course will help you to understand how clinical research works. It is the tool you need to do solid stylings. At the beginning, look for a mentor to help you know uh, what to research and how. Develop your leadership skills that in the end will help you to do uh, multi-center studies. Be humble. Share your triumphs. Make your collaborators happy. Avoid personalities. And it's not about the number of publications. It's about learning, about making publications of higher and higher quality until you reach your goal of changing clinical practice. Enrique, that was wonderful. A lot. It's not one advice. It's a lot to incorporate, like 572 <laughs> of how But I, I guess everybody will pick something that fits the, him or her and try to incorporate in their career. So this brings us to the end of the dive into the origins of Waterfall Trial and the roads and roadblocks of the game-changing research. Thank you so, so much, Enrique, for sharing your journey. It was fascinating, long, <laughs> and uh, a lot of excitement with. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you with us. And to all who tuned in, thank you for listening. We cannot wait to see what comes next.